0: It's episode 90 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show. This podcast provides the tools you need to create your own expression of a healthy ketogenic lifestyle so you can stop obsessing and start living. I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. Now let's get on with the show. Before we move into today's episode, I want to introduce you to our newest Keto for Women partner, for Sigmatic. For Sigmatic is a superfood company that specializes in mushroom-based drinks to benefit our immunity, energy, and longevity. Now, it may seem a little bit weird to base a whole line of products around mushrooms, but these aren't just any old mushrooms from the grocery store. Forestigmatic Sigmatic believes in the real magic of functional mushrooms, such as lion's mane, chaga, and cordyceps to enhance people's lives and health. They use these powerful mushrooms in things like coffee, tea, hot cacaos, and elixirs so we can get all of the benefits within the things we are consuming daily already. Important to note right here and right now that none of these products actually taste like mushrooms. They taste like they're supposed to taste. They come in easy single serve packets, tins for at-home use, and even K-cup coffee pods for all you Keurig users out there. I first tried Four Sigmatic Coffee with Lion's Mane back at a conference I was at a few years ago. I had a sample and I was instantly hooked because I felt different than just drinking regular coffee. It wasn't like this weird, jittery, caffeine feeling that I normally get. I think you all know I don't handle caffeine all that well. It was Like a different kind of focus and sustainable energy coming from drinking just this little packet of coffee. It was the lion's mane that was working for me instead of just hopping myself up on all this caffeine. I loved it. I still love it. Right now I'm crushing on their chai latte when I need a little midday warm up because it's cold where I live right now and I need these midday hot drinks and I'm all about their chai latte. It is so delicious and really hits the spot for a little midday treat. The convenience of these single serve packets are so nice. You just mix them into water. You can take them anywhere, put them in your lunch bag or your purse, your backpack, and you have these really easy drinks ready to go. I personally also add in coconut cream to make them a little frothy, delicious keto friendly drink. I highly recommend doing that for you all too. You will absolutely love it. Right now as a partner of the Keto for Women show, they are giving our listeners 15% off of your order when you head to slash Sean. That's four F O U R Sigmatic, S I G M A T I C. Dot com slash Sean. Use the coupon code Sean for your 15% off. Of course, that's S-H-A-W-N. Again, foursigmatic.com slash Sean. Use coupon code Sean for 15% off. Thank you so much to Four Sigmatic for helping bring this show to air today. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me on this episode of Keto for Women. We have another hot seat episode for you, and this time we are talking about a specific topic, all of your questions that you have about gaining weight following a ketogenic diet. It's a hot topic. We're going to get to all those questions, some really, really great ones coming at you today. Kristen, how are you? Hey, Sean. Doing great. She's back for more more of the organization aspect of the Keto Hot Seat episodes. Happy to have her here. How are you? Great. I've, I've brushed up on my reading skills. Oh, good. Yeah, that's <laughs> so important. Hopefully
1: this keeps getting better. Hey, I'm really digging this new studio slash office space you got here.
0: Yeah, our new recording studio, all ready to go. Not quite fully assembled. Still waiting for all that IKEA furniture to come in. But at least we have a space that's not my home. That's true, although I do miss your cat. Ah, yes, the cat, who is not there right now anyways, so no big deal. Oh, why? Because my kitchen is very dangerous and completely torn apart right now. Such a bummer. I'm so sorry about that. For probably a few months. No big deal.
1: Oh, man.
0: But anyway, what's going on in your world? Oh, gosh, just work. I'm really excited to be heading out to Portland and then to California with you. Yeah, we have lots of travel coming up together. We will be heading to Portland for the NTA conference, which if you're listening to this when it airs, that's where we are. And we're hosting a meetup tonight, which will be fun, hopefully to meet some of you Keto for Women listeners and then head home home for a few days, then fly right back out to LA where we will be attending Expo West. Kristen, I know this is something you've been wanting to do for years.
1: Oh, many, many years. Yes. I mean, I used to work in that industry. So I was always having to prep and design trade show booths and all sorts of stuff for the brands that are there. But I've never attended as a consumer or just someone who's interested in... Checking out all the products.
0: Yeah. And for those that don't know, Expo West is, I think, probably the biggest natural products expo in the country, if not the world. I would say the world, yeah. It's like anybody is part of this expo. It takes days to get through trying new products, trying even old products, learning about new companies. Those companies are trying to get into grocery stores or to... Find influencers to help them promote. It's just a huge, huge convention of food and food that we would eat. Now, the cool thing is we are going as consumers. So, basically, representing you all out there and what we as Keto for Womeners, those of us who eat real food that want to stay away from hidden sugars and hidden chemicals and weird stuff, we're going on behalf of you to try to find the best products and supplements and beverages that would be great for you to potentially add to your shelves. And also to find those products that are not what they say they are, that may be listed as natural or sugar-free or whatever the marketing is, but aren't actually because they are out there. And we've talked about this before, but that's something that both Kristen and I are really passionate about. And that's probably what we're going to be more so looking for is kind of calling out those people on what they say their product actually is. But all of this will be over on my social media channels next Thursday and Friday. Again, if you're listening to this when it airs. So make sure you're over on my Instagram stories and my Facebook stories to see those products that I love, that I don't love, that I recommend, that I don't recommend, all the new products out there that are coming to market. It's going to be a really fun time, and I want you to be a part of it, even though you can't be there with us. So I'll be showing all that over on my socials shall we get to some questions? We
1: have a ton of them. So let's get after it.
0: Yeah. As I mentioned, this was a very, very popular subject, which I think if you are someone who has gained weight while following a ketogenic diet, I know it's not fun. It's not what you expected. It sucks, but maybe it will help you to know you're not alone there was a lot of interest, a lot of questions, a lot of stories out there about gaining weight while following a ketogenic diet. There's a lot of stories about losing weight and then gaining it back. A lot of stories about plateauing. We're going to try to get to as many of them as we can because there were so many. Even though we were talking about a specific topic, we still got enough to fill at least two episodes. So we are going to try to break this up into two episodes, get to as many as we can. We still won't be able to get to them all, but we're going to try to get to as many as we can and cover as many of the topics as we can. So even if your question doesn't get answered, you will still find help in some of the other questions.
1: All right, let's do it. All right, first up, we have a question from Tessa. My keto lifestyle started back in February 2018. I've been doing keto for a year now and have lost 40 plus pounds. I maintain and exercise up to three days a week, mostly cardio, I love hiking, but I've encountered a roadblock with the weight loss part. I started to slowly eat healthy carbs every now and then, mainly sweet potatoes in my roasted vegetables and fruit smoothies. I've been gaining weight slowly since. I started to eat these items again. I use unsweetened almond milk in my smoothies with a cup of mixed berries and strawberries. The net carbs are in the range of 5-10 to grams, 10 being the highest, when I use half of a banana. I love and miss fruit. How can I be successful
0: while eating fruit and other high-carb veggies? Great question from Tessa and something I think a lot of you out there could potentially relate to, which is you add in some carbohydrates or some other food that you haven't had in a year or two years or however long it's taken that you've been on this keto lifestyle and it doesn't go well, or you start seeing... Waking or even just not feeling great. And there are some reasons for this. I think the first thing I want to know is when you are adding these carbs back in, are you dialing back your fat intake? You will still be following a lower carbohydrate higher fat approach, but it won't be a true ketogenic approach specifically on those days where you are interested in adding more healthy carbohydrate sources like the sweet potatoes and the fruit. So make sure you're kind of toying with that, figuring out what works best for you. Again, you're not going zero fat on those days for sure. You still want to make sure to have a nice higher fat approach, but it's not going to be as high as you're used to or have been used to for the past year. Just on those days, you'll find that balance and that should help a little bit. Also, check in on your blood sugar We need to know how your blood sugar is doing. If you have any blood sugar issues, specifically high insulin, this is going to impact how you can tolerate carbohydrates, of course. The best way to do this is by testing your own blood sugar after you have these carbohydrates. So if you're having a full meal and you want to include half a sweet potato or after these smoothies that you're making, wait two hours and test your blood sugar, test your ketones, and see how your body is responding to these meals. This will show you if you're having too high of a blood sugar swing when this happens, if it's taking you out of ketosis. This is really important information. However, you also will need to get some information potentially from your doctor. If you can, it's a little bit hard in some cases to get your insulin tested, but if you can and your doctor will do that for you, test your fasting insulin. I did this in the Fat-Burning Female Project with some of the ladies and it was astounding how many women had high fasting insulin that did not know it. And they were, of course, resistant to weight loss. So I really, really recommend getting that information about your body for anyone that is having an issue losing weight while eating keto. It's not the carbohydrates fault necessarily. It's just really not at all. They're great foods, but it could be your body's response to those foods specifically because of your blood sugar. So really get on that. Those would be my two biggest tips for Tessa. What do you think, Kristen? Did
1: you ever read that book Wired to Eat?
0: I did. By Rob I have Wolf. It. Yeah. So it, this kind
1: of reminds me of there's a part in that book where Rob, and for anybody out there who's not familiar with Rob Wolf, he's like a former biochemist and one of the original paleo movement guys. But he has this seven day carb test experiment in his book. And it, it kind of walks you through how to run yourself through a variety of carbohydrates while testing your blood glucose. And so he did it at the same time as his wife. And it was so interesting to read how his body reacted so differently to carbs and glucose than hers. And she was like, I don't know, something like 50% better at responding to glucose than Mm -hmm. him. And it just goes to show that everybody is so different. And I don't know, I assume maybe it's partly a genetic thing, but not everybody is super great at handling carbs. And I think it's really fun if you're kind of into the N equals one experimentation to run a few trials with yourself using various carbohydrates and see if maybe, maybe you do respond to say squash better than sweet potatoes. So then that can be the carb that you reach for on the days where you're really wanting something.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really important to point out that it could just be that Tessa is happening to choose the carbohydrates that don't work that well for her, but she could have white rice or she could have an orange and it would be fine. It very much is dependent on each particular food as well. So that's why I love doing these blood sugar tests on yourself. After the meals where you have carbohydrates, you'll notice even a change between the meals where you have the same thing, but it's a sweet potato, versus the meal where you have the same meal, but then it's squash. You'll notice a change in your blood sugar too, and that's a really good way to test to find out what carbohydrates work for you, but then also the amount of carbohydrates that you can tolerate. Maybe it's just a case too where it needs to happen slowly. And I know Tessa said she's only doing this on occasion, but maybe it is a case where it's once a month and then it turns into twice a month and it turns into once a week and twice a week where you can slowly build up to this too, especially if you're coming from a keto lifestyle that didn't include any of this. There could be some time to kind of build that back up, which it sounds like Tessa hadn't had fruit in the entire time that she was following her keto lifestyle, which it looks like has been almost a year now, maybe over a year now. So that could be a case too where your body just needs a little bit of time to adjust from what it's been used to for the past year. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think too, it's, you know, inevitably you're going to have a little bit of water weight come back on Mm -hmm. when you start to increase those glycogen stores. And obviously that's not going to result in consistent weight gain over time, but it is something that will happen at first. And I think for anybody who's maybe not so into pricking themselves all the time, you know, be a little more mindful in how you're feeling, get really in tune and connected with your body. Tessa doesn't really mention, she mentions the weight loss, the 40 pounds, but she doesn't really mention how she's feeling. And I do think there is some merit in Eating, kind of doing it and how you feel, experimentation after you eat carbs. So try one carb and just kind of really pay attention to your mental clarity, your energy, how you're feeling, and then test another carb the next day and keep a journal and write those feelings
0: down. And two really important points that I have to share with Tessa if you love fruit, you should be able to eat fruit. There is no point in going through life not eating the foods you love. So keep that in mind. If you love fruit and you're missing it and it's really something that would make your day, it's a great food. It has tons of nutrients. No, it's not required. And a lot of people say don't eat fruit ever. I am not in that camp. And secondly, start lifting some weights because you say all you do (laughs) for the most part is hike lift some weight. That is the quickest way to get your body carb sensitive again, I have found. I
1: knew you were going to say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I stayed in every question. I just have to.
1: Well, on that note, let's move along. We've got Tina up next. And she says, in the past when I tried keto, I don't know if I was actually in ketosis because I didn't check my blood, but I was so hungry all the time and experienced anxiety because I had to limit
0: my vegetables. Two parts to this very concise question. Thank you, Tina. <laughs> the first thing is that If you were experiencing a lot of hunger, you're probably not in ketosis. So you are just probably restricting your food intake way too much. And you even mentioned that you limited your vegetables. So that's a really good sign that you were way too restrictive and not even in ketosis, which we over here call low-carb purgatory. So be aware of that. The second thing that I want to share is that if you are experiencing anxiety because you have to limit your vegetables, then you need to change up what you're doing. There is absolutely no reason to limit your veggies. And every single time I post a meal that I eat that has a ton of vegetables, I get asked, How do you eat this many vegetables and stay in ketosis? And I think people just assume that a giant plate of veggies is going to kick them out of ketosis, which is quite often not the case. Now, of course, there are people out there, you're probably listening right now, and you truly cannot tolerate vegetables because of your carbohydrate intolerance, your blood sugar issues. Of course, there are those people, but there are also quite a few people out there who can put down an entire plate of vegetables and stay in ketosis. And there's a lot of you out there. So you don't have to listen to those people who are saying don't eat vegetables or only eat this type of vegetables or limit it to this serving size. Find your own tolerance. And especially if you are missing them, there should be no food that you miss that you truly don't ever eat. And especially if it's this nutrient-dense real food like fruits and vegetables. I mean, do you remember
1: back in the day when it was hard to get people to eat vegetables Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden it's almost
0: like we villainized them? Yeah, we've villainized all carbohydrates now. Everyone's scared. Carbs are the devil. And even these really awesome healthy carbs where if we're truly looking back at what our ancestors ate as hunter-gatherers, this is what they ate. And then now all of a sudden we're saying they're bad and that we need to restrict them. If those ancestors of ours could come into today's world, they would think we were absolutely crazy.
1: No, seriously. Well, and I, I just feel like that's such a big red flag when I hear people suggest that you can't eat vegetables on a keto diet, that that would cause waking gain or, or what. And I feel like if that is the case, then there's got to be an underlying issue going on that needs mm-hmm. to be investigated.
0: You know, when has broccoli been a bad thing for you? Well, should we discuss the Instagram message that i received the other day let's do this was a direct message that i got over on my instagram that actually sparked me to want to have this topic for this episode of the keto hot seat and it was basically just a woman who had been following another keto influencers program for over a year it was very strict and restrictive and she had had initial success, but then now had been gaining inches. And the response from this keto influencer was to cut out broccoli and Brussels sprouts and cauliflower in order to lose inches. And luckily, this person just did not believe that that is what needed to happen, that there wasn't more to this gaining of inches or you know what else could be going on. And this prompted me to want to talk about it because that is not okay. Under no circumstances is that okay. You should not keep restricting and restricting and restricting vegetables in order to continue to lose weight. If that is the case for you, there is something major going on with you that has nothing to do with those veggies. And it is most likely to do with the restrictive tendency you have had for the past year. And I think this is the answer, honestly, for a lot of you out there who are gaining weight Or not losing or plateauing while following a keto diet, my first question is, well, how strict have you been? Because if you've been really severely restricting your food intake, your carbohydrate intake, if you've been really low on calories then we've talked about this many, many times on the Keto for Women show, you have tanked your metabolism. Your body is now able to get through the day on a very, very low energy input, which means it is going to have to continue to get lower and lower and lower in order for you to continue to lose weight and you don't want to go around for the rest of your life eating 500 calories. Like that would be really awful and really, really harmful to your body, of course, too. So we have to start building our metabolism back up. That is what will get you to where you want to be. It's not always an easy process, but that's what needs to happen, especially in this case where there was a very restrictive tendency following a program for a long time. And then all of a sudden you find you can't add any foods back in and you have to start restricting broccoli. That's not the way to go. That is really damaging to your body health-wise, mentally, metabolically, all of it. Well, that's not an answer or a solution at all. It's a
1: hack. Mm-hmm. And it's a short-term hack at best. And I think with any kind of advice you get, it's important to look through the lens of longevity. So to think you need to avoid veggies forever in order to avoid any, I think, negative effects, is it just seems pretty crazy once we take a step back and really think about it.
0: Yeah. Anybody who's giving you that advice run far, far away from them. That's not going to do any good for you. All right. I did just want to bring that up since we were on the topic of restriction.
1: Okay, concise question with a not-so-concise answer. Always. <laughs> Moving right along, from Hannah here, we have a question. I was diagnosed with endometriosis two years ago, and after trialing various medications to reduce the symptoms, I gained 22 pounds. After my doctor basically told me I would need to try to learn to live with the chronic fatigue as part of my condition, I decided to look into keto as a way to heal myself from the inside. As a lifelong dieter, how do I get out of the calorie-counting tracking mentality and not throw the towel in as soon as the scale stalls or my
0: clothes feel tight? Ooh, Hannah is asking the right question to the right person because (laughs) I'm pretty sure I answer this question every single day. It is really hard. And trust me, I have been there. I calorie counted for the majority of my life. It is tough to let go of that. And it is especially tough to let go of that and not turn back to it when you don't see results or clothes start feeling tighter or things aren't happening as fast as you want them to happen. So the cool thing with Hannah and with every other one of you out there that is in this spot is you have something way more important to focus on. You are not turning to the ketogenic diet to calorie count and macro count and see the scale move as quickly as possible. This is not a quick fix for you, nor should it be for anyone else. You want a life free from chronic fatigue, And you want to manage your endometriosis symptoms, which I know can be debilitating. So you have a goal that is way, way, way bigger and more important than what the scale says. And that is really freeing when you are someone who is used to being on a diet because suddenly it's not about that. It's not about that at all. It's about your body and your health and being able to get through the day, the week, the month, the year that much easier with that much less pain, with that much less fatigue. Like you've got something way bigger on your plate and that will make it a lot easier to get rid of that mentality and move into something more important.
1: Well, I want to highlight something Hannah said that I am so proud of her for, and that is basically taking her power back. So she chose to utilize keto as a way to heal herself and not listen to her doctor basically saying you're just going to have to deal with it and learn that chronic fatigue is part of your life now. I mean, how many times did you hear that, Sean, from mm-hmm. doc- various yeah, doctors? Yeah, me time. too. It's like, no, I'm going to call BS on that. There are a lot of things you can do. And, you know, I really want to applaud you, Hannah, for taking charge and deciding to go down an alternative path.
0: Yeah. And now that you have that, you've done that for yourself, you are in such a powerful position to make a huge change to your life. So just stay focused on that. It's going to creep in. You're going to have those days where you want to get on the scale, you want to beat yourself up. Don't let it happen. Do not let it happen. Just keep going back to what I call your bigger why. Keep going back to it and stay focused on that. Yeah. It really is a practice. I think I love
1: studying mindset and psychology, and there's this concept called positive psychology and essentially it's focusing on what's going right and not what's going wrong. So I think if you if you ever get into that kind of downward spiral with the scale or your clothes feeling tight, really start to train your brain and become aware of your thoughts and focus on the good stuff and and even putting yourself in situations where you can succeed and Maybe it's something that you can do at work. Maybe you kicked butt at a presentation or or went for a walk three times that week, which is more than you usually can. Put yourself in little situations where you're able to pat yourself on on the back. I feel like the positivity aspect begins to then infiltrate into other aspects of your life, and
0: then all of a sudden, the rest starts to follow suit. And get rid of the butt. And we even saw this in all the questions coming in for this topic. It was like, I have all this energy and I'm sleeping great. and My hormones are balanced and I feel amazing, but I'm not losing weight. Everybody, get rid of that. You have to focus only on the positive. You are basically negating all of that hard work and all the great things that your body is doing for you with that but statement. So just take it out entirely. All right. You want to move on? Yes. Cool. All right. We've got one from Marianne. I come
1: from a history of years of disordered eating. You name it, I've probably tried it. I know that keto is the way towards healing my body on an inflammatory level, and I'm noticing positive shifts already, but I'm really struggling with the weight and was very much hoping it would help me on a metabolic level as I have, to put it bluntly, screwed it up and have probably lived in starvation mode for 20 odd years. This has resulted in literally not being able to lose weight at all and finding it incredibly hard to maintain and very easy to pick up. I so want to recover a healthy balance and restore my system to have a healthy metabolism again. I am choosing to believe it's not too late. The thing is that there's not much info out there in relation to how one does this without initially packing on the pounds, and I'm wondering if you could share your expertise and shed some light.
0: Thank you in advance and looking forward to hearing the podcast. Another interesting question, this one coming from Marianne, and another question where I think a lot of us can see ourselves in just the years of disordered eating, restrictive eating Diet hopping and putting yourself into starvation mode, essentially. And Marianne at least can see this in herself and understand that her metabolism is screwed up, as she said. I'm not saying it for her. She actually said that. So she has now gotten into metabolic damage is what this is commonly referred to. And again, like I mentioned, something I talked about a few minutes ago, one thing that a lot of us are going to have to deal with if we have been in this spot of being really restrictive, whether it was with keto or some other diet that you came into before keto. But regardless, I kind of have to be the bearer of bad news and tell you that, yes, it is common when you are healing your metabolism, that you gain weight. I do believe that there are ways around that, which I'll share with you, but there is the chance that that will happen. What I see is when it is a place of metabolic damage and we're working to heal the metabolism and get it revving again, it is often not very much weight, 5 to 10 pounds. There's no specific equation to it. Like You just have to gain 5 pounds for 6 months and then you're healed and it's done. There's nothing like that, of course as with everything. It's different for everybody. But I just want to put it out there and be totally honest with you all. I see it often and it's because your metabolism is really, really slow and you now have to build that back up. And the best way to build it back up, it's kind of like training it. It's getting your metabolism to understand or your body, I guess, to understand that there is more energy coming in, that there's more food readily available, that you are going to be having this higher energy intake for a longer period of time. And that's when things start repairing and you start building this metabolism up again. Now, as with everything, the biggest way to combat that and to heal your metabolism without the weight gain, in my opinion and from what I've seen, is to just take it really slow and use your intuitive sense. So really use that intuition. Make sure you are eating intuitively, moving intuitively. Everything is really focused on how you are feeling, how hungry versus satisfied you are, That will determine when you eat, what you eat, how much you eat. Are you craving fat? Are you craving protein? Are you craving carbohydrates? Tapping into all of this will be the best way for you to get a hold of your metabolism and your body and what it needs. So, I think that's the first thing you can do is just be really intentional and be really intuitive and don't necessarily follow anybody's rules of, this is how you get your metabolism back because I know they're out there. Don't follow that. Follow your own intuition and guidance. And then the second thing would be to move. Move your body, lift weights, gain muscle, be active. Just really get into that place of Needing a metabolism, essentially. So, what you're doing then is showing your body that more energy is required because of this extra movement you're doing, because of your extra muscle that requires more energy. And it will kind of spark that a little bit more, especially if you are doing something that's different that you're not used to doing as far as movement goes. It gives a little bit of a spark to your metabolism to understand, okay, more energy output is going to be required. So I need to boost up my game a little bit.
1: Well, the good news is the body is so resilient. So 20 years of essentially abusing it doesn't take 20 years to fix. Right. So I think, you know, what you said, Sean, is great in that, you know, keeping that positive mentality is half the battle, if not more, and will help accelerate the healing. I love how Marianne says she's choosing not to believe it's too late. Right. It's definitely
0: not too late, but I do have to, I don't know. I just feel like I have to be honest or just prepare people that, Part of the process might include some weight gain and and Marianne seeing that, how it's really easy for her body to gain weight. It might just need to happen for just a short period of time, just a little bit of weight in order for this process to go a lot quicker and smoother. I just, I have to put it out there.
1: Yeah, of course. Well, that's, I mean, honesty is great. I think maybe practicing, like changing the perception of that weight. So maybe see it as it's here to protect your body and help you heal might, help Marianne view it a little
0: differently. I mean, that's the only reason why it's happening is because your body is in protection mode and that's what it is built to do. It's doing exactly what our body is supposed to do for us. It's just, we've manipulated it to be a situation that's undesirable, but keep that in mind and just know that it will pass. Just know that it's part of the process and it will go a lot smoother. All right, next up we have Laura. After much
1: success on keto, nearly two years and 20 pounds lost with with only 30 pounds total to lose overall, I gained eight to 10 pounds after a heartbreakingly tough romantic breakup. My calories increased probably 200 to 300 a day, still keto ratios though, during the ensuing months. My stress increased tremendously, also going through some work stress, and my sleep suffered too. I'm back on the upswing emotionally and I'm seeing weight loss again. I believe the increase in calories was the main contributor to the gain, but would like to know your thoughts on the stress sleep components to the gain and some tips for proactively mitigating these if and when similar situations occur in the future. I love this question so
0: much <laughs> because too. it is just the perfect example of how our emotions and our stress levels play into our weight gain or weight loss. So she's gained back some weight as she went through a really important, stressful, emotional time. And now that she's back on the upswing, she's losing weight again. That is just proof, everybody, that there's so much more to this game than just the food we're putting on our plate. And again, this is something that's, of course, hard for all of us to grasp, and Laura is no different. She's wondering if the 200 to 300 calories extra per day were the reason for her weight gain, and I can tell you with certainty, it is not. 200 to 300 calories a day when you are stressed out is not the reason for weight gain. It is this stress The emotion, the lack of sleep, it's all of that wrapped up into this spot where your body is in survival mode. There's a huge cortisol response and sleep. You're totally out of whack. Your whole body is out of balance when your sleep's out of balance because of that rhythm that we need so badly. So, that's the reason for your weight gain during this time, which you can see because now it's coming off again as you are starting to feel better. So with this question and and wanting to know how to mitigate this in the future, it's all the same things that we talk about all the time here on the Keto for Women show about stress. So when you are stressed, how can you combat that to not let it affect you as much. We are all going to go through stress. I think we've all at some point in our life had a heartbreakingly tough romantic breakup. We've been there. We know how stressful that is. But We can't necessarily have those things not happen, although we all hope they don't, but you can have a really good way to deal with them. You can find a stress-relieving technique that brings you joy, something that you love to do that immediately makes you feel so much better. You, of course, need to be kind and loving to yourself through this time, especially, but of course, all the time. But really, when you are going through a breakup, that is the sometimes hardest time to be kind and loving to yourself, but when you need it the most. And make yourself a priority in this time. So just because you have all this stuff going on with work, with your family, with your breakup, with your spouse, whatever it may be, when you are in a stressful scenario like that, we oftentimes then put all of the emphasis on that thing that's causing stress. Whereas instead, we need to go back into ourselves, focus on ourselves, our health, what's important to us, and keep that the priority. So it's all the same stuff that we talk about as far as how to deal with stress and emotion and all that good stuff. It's just really getting that set for the future, knowing that these times are going to come. So I have a lot to say about this
1: because as you know, Sean, I am a total stress case. I'm glad that you're admitting it. (laughs) Well, I've been working on it for a while now, but man. So a couple of years ago, I did this workshop called the art and practice of self-compassion. And it was, it was because I I was going through a horrible time. I was going through a bad breakup and my parents got, were getting divorced and I got laid off from my job all pretty much in the same three months. And I, The most life-changing technique that I learned in this workshop is something called a fire escape plan. And I think this is a really cool practical application for Laura or anybody who wants to better combat stress or anything where you can't control the outcome. All you can control is how you respond to it. And you basically create a list of things that you can do in these times that help you get back into your body and out of that negative tailspin that comes with feeling super overwhelmed or stressed or emotional and having an emergency plan to turn to without having to think about it. Because, you know, in those times, your brain, you just can't think clearly. So having something already mapped out that you can just follow that will help you feel better is tremendously helpful. Yeah. Can you give us some examples? Yeah. So... At least in the workshop that I did, there were six categories. So you want to sit down, maybe find a quiet space, light some candles, kind of get in the zone, and make a list of things that calm you down and ground you. And the six categories are people. So think of people in your life who are non judgmental and show up and support you. Places. So that's geography that speaks to your heart. So maybe it's hiking or a park or something. You immediately feel better when you go to this place practices so this is something like say yoga going to the gym lifting weights meditation books so anything you can turn to open up a page and read and it helps you get into a better frame of mind so poetry journal you know something inspirational spiritual and then there's art and audio so this can include music and podcasts like what are some of your favorite songs to just pop in some earbuds and help bring you down and then the final one is sensory experiences so this is you know taking a bath candles getting a massage you know snuggling in a blanket something like that and so you make this list and then you put it somewhere like i have mine in a note in my phone so that you can pull it up whenever you need it at any time and then just go through
0: the list i love it so much yeah super helpful so good yeah One quick thing I wanted to add from Laura's question that isn't what her question was about, but something to note is she did increase her food intake during this stressful time, and that is normal and to be expected. When your body is going through stress, you're releasing cortisol, and you will potentially need more energy in order to get through the day feeling good. I just want to make sure that that's coming from a place of intuition and the actual need to consume more energy energy versus it being from an emotional place where you're stressed out and you turn to your stress foods and you're completely disconnected from that whole process so really important distinction there between why she was eating more food completely normal and expected to do so during that time but just want to make sure that it wasn't from this hand in bag Mm -hmm. without any emotion because I'm stressed good
1: point good point All right, moving along. Mm -hmm. All right, up next, Michelle. Hi, Sean. Our whole family started keto in February 2017. My husband dropped his last 20 pounds, is now eating real food, and has never been lighter. My 11-year-old, the main reason we started, dropped 25 pounds, and although he still has some belly fat, he is the lightest he's been in three years. I dropped Wait for it. Nine pounds. Wah wah. (laughs) But I felt healthier, slimmer, and generally better. But now I'm bloated, like I just drank beer bloated all the time. It's been going on for some weeks now. I just can't shake it. I test, I intermittent fast, I work out two times a week. This is new. But I don't track macros. I just read my labels and try to be on point. The main thing that has changed is it's baking season. And although everything I make is keto friendly, and honestly, I don't think I overindulge, that is my main difference. Could it be extra almond flour or coconut flour or the quote-unquote sweetener I'm using?
0: Or do I just need to get more strict? Thanks for your thoughts. First of all, I think nine pounds is pretty great. I mean, you may not think so because you're also looking at what your husband has done and your son has done, but nine pounds is great. So first of all, let's celebrate that. Second of all, getting more strict is rarely The answer, especially if you are coming from a place of eating a real food keto diet. I would not tell you to get more strict with that when you're putting real food on the plate. Bloating is what you're dealing with now, which isn't necessarily anything to do with weight loss, weight gain, weight loss resistance, none of that. It's a sign of GI distress. So your gut is inflamed, most likely, it's not potentially. Digesting the food you're eating well. It could be a food sensitivity. You could just have an imbalance in your microbiome, which is the good versus bad bacteria in our gut. A lot of times, especially when it's the holidays or we're eating foods we're not used to, this can really easily go out of whack and we can start having less of the good guys than we're used to and potentially more of the bad guys than we're used to. And it will definitely show up as bloating along with changes in your stool, inability to digest food, even just fatigue, skin conditions, all that stuff. So be on the lookout for other signs too that may have changed recently along with this extra bloating. But what I really think could be going on here is that you already had some sort of gut issue going on. We know it as leaky gut or intestinal permeability. And then you started adding in these foods as in the almond flour and these sugar-free sweeteners. And now it's starting to really irritate and inflame your gut lining. You could be causing a food sensitivity. But I really think that's what's going on with the bloating. If you take out these foods, this would be the first step to at least get rid of the bloating. But you're going to have more work to do in really trying to investigate the gut issues that you have going on because I'm pretty sure that's what's happening. Well, it could be
1: just a coincidence and timing in that, you know, maybe Michelle traveled somewhere or picked up some kind of gastro bug at around the same time that she started eating a little more of these baked goods or, you know, it's baking season. Mm-hmm. So, and then that's just adding fuel to the fire of something that she picked up recently. Mm-hmm. So that's where, yeah, the gut testing comes into play. The food sensitivity comes into play. Yeah, what I will
0: say though is I see all the time these sugar free sweeteners, even the ones that are claiming to not have any sort of stress on the GI system, still cause stress on the GI system. I see it all the time in clients and then they take these sweeteners out and they're totally fine. And it happens to me too. I have personal experience with that. Even the erythritol that's not supposed to cause any sort of GI upset really upsets my stomach. So I think even just that could be the answer. Oh, totally. Well, and that's one of
1: our main missions at Expo is to try to find products that don't have erythritol
0: or stevia or any of those other weird sweeteners yeah they're gross first of all in my opinion i am not a fan of the taste but also i don't want to feel terrible after eating those foods and there has to be some way to get a snack that is keto friendly that doesn't contain these chemicals we'll find out next week we're gonna find out (laughs) and as soon as we do i will be sharing it i promise all right
1: moving on All right, Amanda, could my weight gain be because I still consume artificial sweeteners along with a high fat content?
0: Yeah, this is kind of similar, but a little different of an answer because... We all know and may need to be reminded, I think, at this point that when you are eating a sweet food, whether it is sweetened with real sugar, with honey, maple syrup, erythritol, stevia, your body is still taking that to be a sweet food. It is going to react similarly in all of these cases to a food being sweet, no matter what type of sugar it is in it. So yes, if you are still consuming a decent amount of artificial sweeteners or even a small amount of artificial sweeteners, I think that could definitely be contributing to the inability to lose weight on a ketogenic diet. My recommendation is always to limit that to being a special occasion. So something maybe you consume once a week, once every few weeks, when the craving strikes or it sounds really good to have this particular treat, that is the best way to really make sure you are on even playing field with your blood sugar, with how you handle sweet treats, and it really becomes more of just a fun and occasional thing. Sean, do you have any tips for Amanda on
1: how to transition away from artificial sweeteners and maybe swap in
0: using real
1: foods sweeteners?
0: Well, I mean, that's a hard topic to talk about here on the Keto for Women show because there's just a lot of controversy about which sweeteners to use on a ketogenic diet. Now, I am coming from the place of finding real food sweeteners, as in honey, honey, coconut sugar, maple syrup, a tiny bit of that to be way more beneficial and way less taxing on our body and our health overall than using erythritol, stevia, these highly processed sweeteners to sweeten my food, even though technically there is no sugar in them. So it's hard to kind of approach that topic because I don't know what Amanda wants to do. I don't know what she believes in, what's important to her. But I would say that I personally would be shocked if you would be unable to tolerate a tiny amount of honey, say in your coffee or something like that, instead of this artificial sweetener you're currently using. You'd probably feel a lot better. You're body would be way happier and you wouldn't have the blood sugar a spike. You're assuming you would have from that and probably even less so than this artificial sweetener. So to answer your question, I guess my tip would just be to experiment and try it and see how you feel. If you want to test your blood sugar, test your blood sugar, see how you do, see how you react and go from there And, you know, kind of do your own comparison of this is what happens when I have this artificial sweetener. This is what happens when I have honey in my coffee or whatever you're trying to use. Even yacon syrup, I think is a great substitute. And as far as getting off sweeteners in general, you just got to cold turkey it and just stop having it. It's the easiest way is to just say, nope, this week, I'm not going to have that. I'm just going to live without it. And you know, if I'm really feeling like my intuitive sense is that on Sunday, I want to have it in my coffee or whatever, I just keep using that as the example, then I'll I'll approach it then. But you've got to put your foot down a little bit to start and it gets so easy so quickly.
1: <laughs> Sorry, that was kind of a loaded question. <laughs> I know it really
0: was. I could, we could have a whole episode just on that
1: topic. <laughs> Maybe we should. <laughs> well, I think bottom line thing to remember, artificial sweeteners, for the most part are neurotoxins. So this will trigger an immune response. And we've talked about the weight inflammation connection before. So that's not doing anybody any favors when you're consuming something that causes inflammation.
0: And we actually just did some research on stevia. Was it yesterday or the day before? And how highly processed that plant is in order to get it to the form where we can consume it in liquid or in crystal form.
1: Yeah. Well, and there's, of course, there's differences between artificial processed and then real food or right. natural sweeteners. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of three different categories there. But, yeah, never good when you're tricking your brain to taste something when there's no calorie, you know, equivalent to that. So mm-hmm. just training yourself to
0: be addicted. I'll take Yukon syrup any day. <laughs> it's so good.
1: All right. Shall we? Let's do one more. OK, let's do it. All right. We've got Emily. I've been keto for over a year, test periodically just to ensure I'm definitely in ketosis. January 18, fat burning female. I have gained maybe 10 pounds over this past year. I don't get on the scale. Blood sugar is good. Did the Better Blood Sugar Project. I thought the gain may be from my love of wine, so I cut out all alcohol as of December 31st. So it's been about two months alcohol-free, and no weight has budged. I work out about five to six times per week, mix of cardio weights and PIO, so I stay active. Also did the Happy Hormones Project. My hormones have definitely improved as I continue with keto, but they aren't perfect yet. My final thought is that I may have a food sensitivity that I don't know about. I haven't totally eliminated dairy, but I do limit it. Thoughts?
0: Emily has been on the quest. Love it. All about it. She's learning so much about her body, which is great. I would say as just a lady, if you are interested in learning more, take the approach that Emily has and really try to experiment with all of this stuff on your own. Find out the information that you can If you think it might be alcohol, take out the alcohol. If you think it might be your workouts, mix up the workouts. Just take charge. Now, she's done a lot of digging for herself and still hasn't found what could have caused this 10 pound weight gain that happened ever since she went keto over a year ago. I have a few thoughts about this. First of all, how much tweaking has she done to her diet? are you eating intuitively? Are you really listening to your body? I'm assuming she is. She's a fat-burning female -er, so has already learned that and is probably doing that. But just for other people in this situation, are you eating intuitively or are you just eating to stay in ketosis? Those are really important distinctions because you're either listening to your body or you're listening to the ketone reading. And that could be the difference between your body feeling safe and letting go of extra weight and your body just trying to stay in ketosis all the time and you having no attachment to that. This is also a time where I have to talk about just taking a break from keto. Maybe she just needs a break from keto. She had weight gain that started when she began a ketogenic diet. It hasn't gone away. She's done a lot to work on herself and her health and getting her body in balance. Maybe she just needs a break from keto. Maybe there's something about it that's not right for her body right now. Maybe she is someone that does do better with a little bit of carbohydrate and a little bit less fat. I think keto is amazing. I think it can help a ton of people, but it doesn't have to be something that you do forever or for a long period of time or don't ever take breaks from. And I did talk about this in a whole episode not too long ago, but that might be something to consider. And there's nothing wrong with you or anything about what your approach is if you decide to not do keto forever.
1: So just as a quick recap, then when you say take a break from keto, what does that look like?
0: So it would just mean starting to include more real food carbohydrates and dialing back on the fat intake, maybe increasing your protein, maybe decreasing your protein. That's totally up to you. And again, really, if you're using your intuitive sense fully and not just going by those ketone readings, then... It would be really easy to do so. You would notice yourself feeling like the extra serving of carbohydrates per day sounds really great, would really do great things for your body and your workout and your sleep and all that stuff. Then that would be the right thing to consider. And you will naturally, if again, using your intuition and really tapping into that and seeing how you feel, eat less fat and just start including less fat as your carbohydrates dial up a little bit. You dial down the fat and become kind of in a more high fat, low carb balanced approach. So we're not going for all the carbs. We're just taking it slowly and and starting to add those real food carbohydrates as it sounds good. So, also, I want to know a little bit more about the diet history here. Again, we've talked about metabolism and about what restriction does to your metabolism. Could this be the case where, when starting keto, you also got out of this restrictive tendency and it's just taking your body this time in ketosis to feel? Safe and balanced and comfortable before shedding that weight again. So, this could be kind of your metabolic reset, I guess we can call it. So, I'd be really interested in that. And then, of course, yeah, you can definitely see what's going on with your gut health, what food sensitivities you have. That always is really important and something that a lot of women get results from as far as weight loss when they do that in the Good Gut Project. So, that is really something I recommend too. But, since Since you've done so much testing recently, I say just kind of sit back with it, tap back into your intuition, see if it's still right for you to be in ketosis or if you feel better taking a break from ketosis, and just see how it goes as you progress. So Emily's been doing keto for over a year now, so I'm
1: assuming there's something about that that's making her feel better or have more energy or or whatnot. But I am kind of curious if she feels any different than when she first started keto Mm -hmm. or if now she's starting to feel inflamed in some way or, you know, if the energy is waning or, or what's happening here.
0: Yeah. And that's one of my biggest signs for if you need a break from keto is if you have these great things that happen at the beginning and then all of a sudden they start falling off or you start noticing different things come up that don't feel as good as before keto, you have new symptoms. These are all signs that a break might be necessary. And yeah, Emily doesn't really talk about what's been going right. But if it's a case where she's not feeling as great as she thought or as great as she was feeling when she started keto... I wouldn't judge her for taking a break. No, all clues pointing towards something, Mm -hmm. right? So, and I I
1: dare bring up the dairy thing, but she does talk about potentially having a sensitivity to dairy. What are your thoughts on eliminating versus limiting?
0: Oh, I think you've got to eliminate. (laughs) Limiting isn't going to do really much of anything if you have a food sensitivity, because no matter what, every single time, whether it's every day or once a week, you are causing an immune system response and an inflammatory response in your body every time you eat that. And that will keep you from any sort of health goal, weight loss goal, whatever you may have just by consuming that dairy once a week. So limiting doesn't do it. If you truly really want to know, you've got to eliminate it fully 100% for at least four weeks.
1: There are not very many instances where we say this is all or nothing, but
0: food sensitivities is an all or nothing. This is definitely all or nothing, unfortunately. I wish it didn't have to be that way, but it does. All right, I think we can wrap it up now. Thank you, everybody, for your questions. As you can see, they were really, really great ones. I hope you all got something out of those questions, even if they weren't yours specifically. We're going to do the same thing on the next Hot Seat episode with more of these types of questions before we move on to the next topic. So be on the lookout for that. And until then, we'll see you next week.
1: Talk to you later. Bye.